the Start Your Own Business podcast. Hear inspiring startup stories and get reliable expert advice on how to start your business and get off to the best possible start. Brought to you by Startup Donut, helping small businesses succeed. Hello, I'm Chloe Thomas, best-selling author and award-winning podcast host. Welcome to the second season of the Start Your Own Business podcast, where I get practical advice from experts and small business owners that can help you set up a new business and get off to a great start saving time and money along the way. In this episode, we're talking about sustainability and reducing the carbon outputs of your business. Now, you'll hear a lot of terms we mentioned like carbon, like offsetting. Uh, We're going to talk sustainability. We're going to talk net zero. Don't worry too much about the precise definitions of all of that. The key thing here is we're going to be talking about how you can reduce any negative impact of your business on the environment do good for the environment and how that's actually going to be a huge benefit for your business, both in terms of reduced costs now and in the future, and in terms of ticking boxes and encouraging new customers to come and buy from you as well. There's a lot coming up. Uh, We are chatting to someone who has been there and done it in a business that I think you'll all find quite surprising has gone deep into this. But before we meet him, please take time to find out about our sponsors, the Federation of Small Businesses, and how joining could be among your best business decisions. This series of the Start Your Own Business podcast is brought to you by Startup Donut in association with the Federation of Small Businesses. Running your own business is exciting. You've got a great idea, the ambition to succeed and lots of questions about how you can make your business a success. That's why the Federation of Small Businesses is behind you every step of the way, whatever your business dreams. With FSB's Startup Hub, you'll learn business law basics, discover top tips for securing funding and hear advice from successful entrepreneurs. From startup to scale up, start your business journey with the Federation of Small Businesses businesses. Find out more and download a free startup guide today by visiting fsb.org.uk forward slash start. Joining us is Graham Oakley, Commercial Director of the multi-award winning West Midlands-based Clear3, who work for business owners to reduce waste, pollution and misuse of natural resources in order to become cleaner, greener, more efficient and more profitable. Many Clear3 customers operate in the laundry sector and among other things, the company is known for its award-winning carbon reduction software. The carbon neutral Clear 3 business helps other businesses to minimize their carbon impact. Hello, Graham. Hello. First off, congrats on making your business carbon neutral. That's very impressive. Thank you, Priya. It's uh, it's not as hard as people think, but uh, if you plan on it, we can get away with it. (laughs) (laughs) And you've won a lot of awards for, um, for your business's commitment to sustainability. When did that commitment start? Because in the to my mind, in the sector you're in, it's an unusual thing to have committed to. Yes. So traditionally, laundries create lots of energy, lots of water, lots of chemicals. All that goes into machines that use lots of energy while they wash. And then we put all that down the drain, whether it be the hot water and everything. And then that, that's how the industry's worked for 100 years. And what we've done, along, we've come along and turned that upside on its head. And what we actually do, we actually wash a lot of the washing now in cold water with our unique oh, really? system. So there's the first big part of how we save them with the energy. Oh, 
Okay. And what led you to decide that the laundry industry needed this change? Because you didn't make this decision in 2020 or 2021 or, or even 2022, did you? You've been doing this for a while. So it goes back about seven, eight years ago. We actually had a water harvesting system and we were selling that to uh, the, the agriculture industry. So instead of using lots of fresh water, we're taking the rainwater off the roofs and things like that. We came across ozone to sterilise the water, which was our first intercept into ozone. And then we realised there was all the properties. So we was called by Bristol Mrs. Water to go to a laundry in Bristol. And what we didn't realise at the time then was how much water is used by a laundry. So a small, medium-sized laundry will use 55,000 litres of water a day. I thought you were going to say year. No. <laughs> oh. That's a day. So we were absolutely flabbergasted. Then we looked into what we talked about earlier on, the amount of chemicals they use, the actual heat, the volumes of the linen and everything else, and the actual waste product they produce. They produce lots of lint and lots of other things. So we were there saying, well, actually, why couldn't we use ozone and other things to get to the industry? And that's when we started looking to, well, hold on, if, if we don't put chemistry in and we don't use so much water, can we do that? Is it possible? And that led me to spend nine months at Telford Laundry wow. working out different wash programs, different uh, levels of ozone, different levels of chemistry. What people don't realise, when you turn your washing machine at home and you go to cottons or, or sheets or wherever it might be, someone there has written a program that says, I want to wash at whatever temperature for so long in so much water. So we've actually redesigned how those programs work as well. Oh, wow. So a bit of chemistry, a bit of practicality, some computer programming, and you found an amazing new opportunity in the world of laundry. We'll come into various bits of that in a moment. But first off, what is ozone? Because you mentioned it a couple of times, and I know it is a layer out there in the stratosphere that we keep destroying. I suspect that's not entirely what you're meaning. So so what's what's the ozone you're talking about here? Okay, so the ozone layer that you all know about is obviously is the, the, it's about 12 miles deep. That's created with the UV light from the sun, and that protects us from burning. There'll always be a, a ozone level hole. I mean, 2019, that hole is actually the smallest it's ever been, um, even without the lockdowns before that happened. So we are doing some things good that the media aren't reporting. Uh, but I was on Earth, you probably smelt it without realising. So when there's a thunder and lightning storm, and you go outside afterwards, it smells clean and fresh, a bolt of lightning will create ozone. And what that's doing, it's creating two atoms, and in, in simple terms, it's squeezing them together. And that creates over three, which is ozone. Ozone is a natural deodorizer, a killer of bacteria. That's why it smells fresh and clean after that thunder and lightning storm. So what we do, we actually mimic that thunderstorm within our machinery. And we do that by actually, we use only a normal 13 amp plug plugs. And we use transformers to create that iron energy. So we're actually not using lots of energy to create that lining. And that's part of the, what we've done to improve what we do. So uh, I guess O3 means it's literally three atoms of oxygen. So it's pretty, pretty neutral stuff. There's not a lot of badness going on in there, is there? No. So, so when the ozone touches a bacteria or a smell, which is effectively the same thing, it actually destroys itself. So the O1 explodes. Kills the bacteria or the virus or whatever might be there and turns back to oxygen. So there's actually no chemistry. So although ozone is technically seen as a chemist, chemical, it's not actually. It's oxygen, air, 
squeeze together to create ozone and it turns back to oxygen. And that's how. This is one of those reasons I love discovering how businesses are becoming carbon neutral and how they're embracing sustainability because there's so much super cool stuff that is actually already out there. We just don't know it could be reiterated to that industry. So I guess that's one of the things you've done is you were using it in the agricultural industry and then someone went, help us in the laundries and uh, (laughs) in that weird voice I just did. And you were able to find a second use for this tool you were using, essentially. Why, why throughout all of this have you cared about sustainability? What, what, what led you to do it? Was it purely a business, you know, business profitability decision? Was it purely a problem you could solve, or was it a kind of a bigger desire to help the planet? I suppose it's been more of a desire to help the planet. If I'm truthful, I'm not a money-driven person. Obviously, all we're all in business to make money, but I suppose I could make more money if I wanted. For me, the drive for me is the making a difference. The, the drive is, I, I, I've got a construction background. When I worked in the construction industry, I was looking at more and more ways to be more sustainable. So we looked at timber frame. We actually developed a timber frame system in the early days, and that's how we led on to the water harvesting, which led on to where we are today. So our journey goes back to early 2000s, looking to sustainability then. So for me, I'm passionate about, it's not just about, the planet is about saving resources, what people can achieve without, without creating new problems. Well, I think that's one of the interesting things about what you're saying about how you approached it when you're at Telford Laundry for nine months, picking apart the process. It wasn't just about looking at, right, they're using 55,000 litres a day. How do we clean that up at the end so it doesn't affect the water, you know, the rivers and all the rest of it? Actually, let's go right the way back to the beginning. How can we sort out the inputs, which is where I guess ozone came in, reducing the amount of water, reducing the amount of electricity, reducing the amount of chemicals. And of course, you know, reducing also means reducing costs, doesn't it? So it's, it's when we look at things in a sustainable way, often it really helps the business too. Yes. The way we looked at it was from the start one, most people's perception is it costs you lots of money to go green. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. I mean, the way we've diver- developed our system and back engineered it is what you've just said. With the, what you save on water, gas, energy, more than pays for the finance on the machine. So they're actually getting a three-time old return on that machine every month. So technically, it's not costing them anything, but they're helping the environment. When they help the environment, you can reduce the cost because obviously your gas bills and all that. But even your effluent bills, what people don't realize in industry is you pay for water to come into the building, you pay water to go out the building, and then an effluent charge, which effectively is a tax or a fine, to leave the building. So when I actually started at Telford Laundry, their bills just on the effluent was like £1,200, £1,300 a month. That dropped to £138 a month. That's mad. Okay. So that basically means, so in, in industry, they'll check for CODs, which is the oxygen levels in the water. If there's not enough oxygen, the pH levels, the temperature, all these things have to be sorted by the water board. We're actually sending the water back out, neutral, pH of seven. So the water was going out, it's cleaning, it was coming in. That's why the bill drops are good. But if you don't reduce all that chemistry and all that heat, you'll never achieve that. And that was part of the 
And that's some of the things we never realised that we were going to have such an effect on. Yeah, and it, it kind of it helps everyone, doesn't it? Because if you're if you're able to do that within the system, the business is paying less on the way in and on the way out and in the middle. And then the water board, it's costing them less to process the water that comes out of the business, which means all of our tax bills or all our water bills rather theoretically go down because the water board isn't having to spend so much money. So it's kind of and the environment's helped too. It, it's such a an obvious route to go down. Yeah, what people don't realise as well is the off-site stuff that we don't talk about. We talk about to our customers, but to move water is very expensive for the water board. So if you can say, tell them it was 80, nearly 80, 78,000 litres of water a day they were using, and we drop that down to about 36,000 litres a day, the same volume of washing. But that means that volume difference is not being pushed by electric pumps by the, uh, by the mm-hmm. water board. So there's a carbon saving there add-on that we don't even print to our, we, well, we've started to look into how we can incorporate that into our uh, database systems to say, well, this is another carbon reduction you can do. But that's like trying to try, tie something down with the waterboards. Very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been really interesting learning about what's happening in the laundry sector, but I know a lot of our audience are not in the laundry sector. And some recent stats from the FSB show that most small firms are concerned about climate change, but only one in three actually has a plan to tackle that. So um, I think let's get into some of the steps a, a small business can take and steps you've taken within your own business as well, because I think those will will uh, will open the audience's eyes even further. But why do you reckon people want to do it, but they've not bothered to put a plan in place? It goes back to what I said at the beginning. People have got this perception that it's going to cost you a lot of money. We had that when we visited customers to start with, or that machine in the way too much. Well, actually, by making small investments, they'll pay up for themselves. So like LED lighting, it does cost you a bit of money to do it, but there's lots of grants out there. It will save you so much in energy that the electric bill comes down, pays for itself. The staff can actually see better. So you've got yes. better health. <laughs> there's lots of little add-ons that people don't actually necessarily realise by actually improving things you could do. I mean, the most cost-effective thing you can do is insulation. Mm. So, so if you've got a building outside that you use an office, if you insulate that better, you'll use less electric or gas however you heat it. But also, it improves the environment. It doesn't have to be mind-blowingly clever. It's a lot of things we all can do. It might be that you spend £100 a year for a figure on improving your business and making it more road-friendly. Every little step to step forward. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? I think people think they have to be perfect straight away. And actually, every step you take on the journey towards net zero is helping people out. You know, it's helping the earth out because you're doing at least something every month that's going to make your business better and, sorry, make your business more carbon neutral, but it's also going to save you money fundamentally. Yeah. I mean, for me, all the staff that join us again on board. So we all keep the lights turned off. And, if, and as, the, as the years have grown, the staff have grown, we've changed little things constantly, you know. So you've built it into your company culture and your company training. It's just something that everybody now is in, is embracing and, and actioning day to day, hour to hour. Yeah. They'll, they'll come to me and say, well, we can actually do this better now. Why don't we look at this? Why don't we look at that? And it's getting that culture. And if you all work together within your business, that, that one improvement becomes 10 improvements a month. And they don't have like I said, they don't have to be big things, you know. If you're a big business, have you got water bay marees that's heating water all day? Well, why don't you change that for something that makes hot water instantly? Well, the little coffee pots, mm-hmm. machines, something that does that. Well, there's kettles that do that. 
that saves that machinery in all day, saves you energy, saves water, stops evaporation. It's, it's, it's you know, that perception is, I need a new fleet of electric vehicles. No, you don't. It's not practical for every business to be have electric. Now, we're award-winning. Uh, we was lucky enough last year to win the Queen's Award for Sustainability, which is the highest accolade you can get. But we haven't got electric vehicles because that doesn't work for our business. What we have got is every vehicle it is Euro 6. So it's the most efficient miles per gallon. It's the, it gives the least carbon emissions it could possibly be that job. Yeah. Now, people who've got older vehicles don't have to go and buy a brand new vehicle. There's Euro 6 vehicles, three, four years old. So you can yeah. buy an older vehicle. So it doesn't mean that you've got to expend all that money. But there's ways you can get around to be more efficient and more friendly from just thinking, okay, do I need no? No. Yeah, I think that often at the moment, especially on the car front, I pe- think people think they have to go. The, o- the only right thing to do is to go all electric. And there's so many kind of mm. shades of grey between the black of a, I don't know, a, a diesel 4x4 SUV through to your, your tiny electric car. There's so many shades of grey and there's, there's an option in there which will work for a business that will give you the mileage you need, that will give you the cost you need, that's available secondhand so you can afford to buy it for the business or via whatever finance system you want to use, but that's still a good choice. Yeah, I mean, there's, 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 there's BMWs, Mercedes and Fords, I presume. There's still below 100 carbon emissions and there's 20 pound rear road tax. And these vehicles are still like seven, eight years old. But from emissions point of view, the better than some of the little new cars that are coming out. Well, exactly. And, and that's, of course, that's the thing. If you get those carbon emissions down, you pay a lot less road tax, which is always a nice bill to produce. <laughs> yes, definitely. So what, what other, so we've talked about LED lights, we've talked about Euro 6 or electric cars. What other key areas can a startup or you know business do to, make, to, to reduce their carbon impact from day one? The other thing is that we've done, we actually supply green energy. So we we actually pay a little bit more per unit, not much more, but the energy that comes into our building is from green energy. So again, that helps with your carbon footprint. It's a small thing to do. It might cost us, I don't know, 40, 50 pound a year more. But for me, that's a small price to pay to say we've got green energy. And you said that, so we can say we've got green energy and you've won the awards for sustainability as well. So is it... Is it as important or is there a benefit to shouting about to your customers and in your marketing and in your industry, the progress you've made in sustainability? Do you find that that brings more customers to you and gets more awareness of your business? What I'm trying to say is, is it a good marketing tactic? Uh, Yes, I would say so. Yes. Um, For me, uh, there's some old stats flying around uh, and it says, I think it was 2019, 67% of the people are more likely to choose a product or a service that's known for being green. And that's going to have increased for the millennials. They're mm-hmm. more aware than the older generation. They all want to make sure that they're doing everything as green as they can. Yeah, McDonald's isn't making these adverts about recycling their cups into birthday cards and things like that because that for them is about profit and show they're being green. If McDonald's are doing that, that tells you that that's where the marketplace is at. Yeah, there's a, I, I agree. There's a lot to be gained from, at the very least, making it clear on, on your website or in your marketing material that you are 
either on the path to net zero or you're, or you're at net zero because people are looking for it. And for some, it, it needs to be front and center. Obviously, with the work you do with the laundries, it's quite critical because you're encouraging them to go down that route. But you know, for in other businesses, it's a tick box, isn't it? It's like, oh, they've got they're using electric vehicles or Euro six vehicles. And those guys haven't told us whether they are or aren't. The prices are pretty similar. We like them both. Let's go with the ones who are doing better for the planet. So it can can be that tipping point, can't it? Yeah. People are more um, evolved now of what unaware. If you go back to the 80s and 90s, people just bought some up for a price. Now people are more environmentally aware. They're aware of the plastics that go into the sea and all these all these things that no one ever thought about. You know, we have to reduce the microplastics in the way we do our laundry, which helps. But there's lots of other industries I know that are actually making things to catch those microplastics. It goes back to, you know, for us, we, we work out what we produce every year as a, as a CO2 carbon in tons. And we actually pay for trees to be planted locally to cover our emissions. That, again, doesn't cost the earth in, in, from a financial point of view, but it's improving the earth. And all these things that people are looking to see what you're doing different to everybody else that makes you that better, more respected business. Yeah, there's there's, there's so many ways of doing it. And um, there's there's two things you just mentioned there that I want to get into. One is the, the carbon offsetting you're doing of the carbon that you do still produce. And the other one is that you're measuring how much carbon you produce. So, Graham, I'm happy to tackle whichever one you want first. Which one would you like to go after first? Which, which one do you want to talk about the most? <laughs> Um, I think they're both equally as important. Uh, for me, what we do, we measure every mile we do. So wherever, whenever myself or one of my engineers or whatever, anybody for the business does a private or business mile, it's counted. Because I think it's important that you count the private miles people do as well as the business. Because that car's still been, it's still our vehicle. It's still producing CO2s, whether it be for my time or their own time. So we actually count all that in. That's a little step. Again, that doesn't cost you a lot of money, but it's for me, that's more ethical. Yeah. The other thing I like to do, I like to keep business local. If I'm using local businesses, there's not vehicles, transport, running things all over the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the more local the business is, less transports. It can be bought in little vans, not in couriers and lots of other things. The tree planting we do is actually Staffordshire, which is where we're based. So we're actually putting the tree planting back to the area we live. So I think that's key for the, for the local people. With local businesses, it's all good news for everybody around us. Yeah, local is a big part of the sustainability mix, isn't it? If if you can manage to buy, and it's one of the simplest changes I think you can make is going. Well, we're ordering coffee, and we're currently ordering it off somebody we don't know where they are in the world, but they're delivering us some coffee every week. If you can order that from your local coffee shop or a local supplier, it's immediately reducing the carbon about that product because it's coming a couple of miles to you, not a couple of hundred miles to you. Exactly. So you want something from somebody in London, it's 150 miles from where we are, compared to somebody who's around the corner, less than a mile, two miles. That's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, it's simple. Um, so when you're measuring the carbon, is it just the mileage that you're measuring? or you? Because the reason I ask is because I think a lot of business, in fact, there's FSB stats that 69% of businesses don't know how to measure their carbon. And I think a, that becomes a barrier to a lot of businesses moving forward. So they get kind of hung up on the measurement and it stops them from taking any action. So I don't know how much my old school lights are producing. Therefore, do I really know that the LED is going to make a difference? And in many ways, at that point, I think the measurement is utterly 
pointless because actually you need to make the change because it's so obvious you shouldn't be held upon the measurement. So so what what other bits do you do to measure to decide how many trees you're going to plant at the end of the year? So obviously we've talked about vehicles. The other thing is obviously the electricity you use. Okay. So we all got electric meters, we've all got gas meters. That's the easiest way to measure your carbon footprint. That tells you what you're using. Doesn't matter if you're using LED lights, all the old lights. That's giving you a measurement. So in Staffordshire, there's a company, well, an organization called Espen, and that you do a carbon calculator. And you can become a member on what that does. So you can put your figures in of electricity, your figures if you can, some water. And that actually tells you what you're actually producing. I love that approach because the the utilities, your mileage, your gas, your water, your electric, they're generally the biggest carbon impact of any business. So you get those four and you measure those and you've probably counted 95%, if not 99% of your carbon impact anyway, haven't you? Exactly. So it's nice and simple. It doesn't have to be difficult. Like gas reading, electric reading, the mileage your vehicles are doing. You know what the output of your vehicles are. There's lots of sites out there that help you. So it's quite simple. Um, there's other things like uh, our heating system. We don't actually heat up the whole of our factory. We have to use infrared rays like the sun. So they're better for the environment. It heats up the person, not the room. So they're warm all the time. We're not using so much power to do the same, uh, keeping small wall. It's a simple thing, a simple, different way of thinking about it, which I think a lot of people with big, big warehouses and big spaces have, and workshops and such have that challenge of, we can't keep the door shut all day and it's, it's a big space, but actually it's cheaper and more effective and better for the environment if you just do those, those simple, um, what's it, infrared. I was going to say UV, definitely not UV, everybody. Infrared would be, would be much better. I suppose if the one tans, it'd be okay. <laughs> yeah, or, or your team have a weird, weird, weird glow at the end of end of the end of the winter, even. And then we were talking about the offsetting, and I know some people say offsetting is cheating. I would say I do not agree with that. I think offsetting is part of the path because you can't do everything on day one. Would I guess you're planting trees, so you don't think offsetting is cheating either? It's part of your part of the mix of what you're doing to improve your impact on the planet. Yeah, I can't see how that could be classified as cheating. I think that's people being ignorant. You know, like you said, you, you can't run a business from, especially a small business, and you, as you start to grow and build, you can't afford all the best of everything. It's not possible, you know, unless you want to raise stupid money, which is always a gamble that you shouldn't do. So for me, the tree planting is being the right ethical way of doing it. Is the better ways to do it? Well, is the, is the evidence out there good enough for electric vehicles? Some say yes, some don't know. So there's always a, a flip side to everything. So for me, if you're doing something as a positive, how can that be cheating? Well, yeah, planting a tree cannot be a bad thing. And fundamentally, part of the solution over the next couple of decades is to plant more trees. So the sooner we start doing that, funded via whatever medium it needs to be funded, it needs to be done. And like you said, there's a lot of grey areas in all of this. So I guess the advice to everyone listening is don't get hung up on the grey areas. If what you're doing is a good decision, go for it. Graham, talking of advice for the listeners, we're going to wrap up shortly. So what would be your key pieces of advice for anyone who's looking to emulate your success as an award-winning sustainable business and how to go about heading down that route? I think the, the first thing to do when you start up a small business is to think from day one what you can do. Don't think it's something you're going to do two years down the road. If you start the road to sustainability like we did from day one, it's part of the culture, the nature. So 
if it costs me a thousand pound a year from day one to be carbon neutral, that cost is with me from day one. I've found that in year one and I can find it in year two, three, four. It's there. You've done it. Okay. You might not be able to afford that thousand pounds. So if you're going to do 500 pounds as a figure, you're halfway to where you are. And then year two, year three, year four, and it might be year five and you're thousand pound figure. But in year five, you've got your targets, but it's already built into your cash flows and your plans. Yeah. So, you know, and it's as simple, you, you calculate your carbon footprint. How can I reduce it? Okay. Uh, is there any means of offsetting? We've talked about trees and other ways of doing it, but that's the way we do it. Will that allow me to gain, you know, carbon neutral accreditation? There's, there's local councils out there. Like I say, Espin is a Staffordshire County Council project that's funded by them. That help small businesses reduce their, their, and read the meters. Okay. And then that allows you to publicize to people what you're doing green and how good you're doing. And then people will want to buy off you. They, they will genuinely look at you and go, that's the kind of people I want to be involved with. There's people come to me and deal with me because I'm my business because they know we're ethically doing everything we can. Yeah, there's so much to be said for that. Um, Graham, we should say now to the listeners how they can come and talk to you because you're ethically doing all the right things. So could you please let us know where we can find you and your business on the web, please? Yeah, so uh, it's, it's quite simple. If you go to uh, www.clear3.com, that's our website. And then what you will see on there is we do laundry, we do farming, we do hygiene products. So we're not, although we've talked about laundry today, we're actually reducing the chemicals, the plastics, the clean down times of things within uh, agriculture, within abattoirs. We're actually doing things for breweries and vineyards. We've actually got working vineyards in uh, Burgundy. We've got laundries out in France. We've got laundries out in Italy. So we're not tight. Although we're a small business and we're carbon neutral, it doesn't mean we can't go into Europe and attack all the marketplaces. Yeah, don't be blinkered. As long as you're doing what you can, you can move forward. And that's clear3.com with the word three spelt out T-H-R-E-E, isn't it? It is, yes, that's correct. Excellent. Well, look, Graham, thank you so much. It's been, been so much fun talking to you about sustainability and net zero. I, I have no doubt that we have inspired many of the listeners to start factoring it into their startup plans and into their business. So um, thank you so much for being here. No, thank you for your time. And uh, I hope everyone enjoys and learns something new from it. So many great ideas there from Graham. Um, so I'm going to take you through what I think the key points were from that. First of all, do not get hung up on calculating how much carbon you're using. So just keep it to those kind of core utilities and mileage. So we're talking electric, gas, water, mileage. Work those out for you and your team across the year. And that's going to be, you're going to find loads of calculators online that will help you count it all up. You can work out how much carbon you're using. And then... Point two, either do the offsetting. And again, there's loads of systems online that make it super, super easy to offset the carbon your business is creating and unpick what you're doing. Where are you actually using the most carbon? Do you need to travel? Do you need to buy new office equipment? Do you, Is now the right time to swap in your business vehicles for something that's greener? Maybe not electric, maybe just Euro 6. So look at that and don't be afraid to go secondhand because that can be a really great way of reducing the carbon that you are creating. Then thirdly, 
if you're going going down this route, whatever you're doing, make sure you're telling people what you're up to because this is a great marketing angle. It will make a difference between you and others that your customers are considering. Shout about your successes. Get those accreditations if it really appeals to your customer base. We did cover an awful lot in that episode and there's a whole load of other stuff we could have covered too. So to help you with all of that, and to help you deal with any more questions you've got, you can find the summary notes for this episode and links to lots more free resources by visiting www.startupdonut.co.uk. And that's donut spelt D-O-N-U-T. Visiting www.startupdonut.co.uk could also really help you to find ways to save more time and more money in your business. So next up, we're going to be covering, wait for it, employees, or more precisely, how to stay on the right side of the law when you're hiring and managing your staff. We'll be covering what can happen if you don't do it all legally and providing a lot of great advice about how to manage the recruitment process, bring your first employee on board and manage all your staff over the longer term. That makes the whole process a lot more transparent and providing some simple steps for you to take. If you're enjoying this series, picking up valuable tips, then please spread the word to others you know who are setting up a business or even just thinking about it. Thanks to FSB for making both series possible. And do not forget to download their free startup guide. Details coming up in a moment. Running your own business is exciting. You've got a great idea, the ambition to succeed, and lots of questions about how you can make your business a success. That's why the Federation of Small Businesses is behind you every step of the way, whatever your business dreams. With FSB's Startup Hub, you'll learn business law basics, discover top tips for securing funding, and hear advice from successful entrepreneurs. From startup to scale-up, Start your business journey with the Federation of Small Businesses. Find out more and download a free startup guide today by visiting fsb.org.uk start.